0: Welcome to Big Beautiful Badasses. I am your host, Kimberly Plesia. I apologize for the delay. I was having some technical difficulties and my voice is cutting out, so bear with me. But you guys, we I wanted to be here for this episode. I have an amazing guest today. This woman stood on a TEDx stage and called herself fat. I mean, who, who does that? That is huge. So. Dr. Kristen, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course, of course. Now, you guys, real quick, you always know how obsessed I am with my coffee. I have it every Sunday. And coffee is how I make it through. So if you want to support this broadcast and you want to help recruit awesome guests like Dr. Kristen and you want to help make a positive, change in the plus size community go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash this fat girl life five dollars is all it takes to buy me a coffee all proceeds go, go towards production costs and recruitment of awesome guests like dr Kristen. and right now i am doing a giveaway so the first 20 people to buy me a coffee will be entered into a drawing for a coffee gift card that could be starbucks that could be dutch brothers whatever coffee you prefer I will get you a gift card and we could have coffee together. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash this fat girl life. So Dr. Kristen, why don't you tell everybody just a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure, so my name is Dr. Kristen Donnelly. I am a empathy educator um, and a TEDx speaker. And I am obsessed with the idea that curiosity can change the world because it's the only thing that ever actually has. So I spend my days helping people being curious about themselves and curious about people around them and kind of figuring out how the, how to human just a little bit better. So in the actual factual stuff, I'm married to a lovely gentleman named John. We live outside of Philadelphia, uh, where we are surrounded by piles of books, video game consoles, and right now his indoor greenhouse because he's learning how to grow chilies. Uh, I'm also the co-owner of my family's network of companies. My brother and I are the second generation owners from my dad, and that is a huge part of my life and my identity and um, everything else. I run one a company within that network with my best friend, and we call ourselves the good doctors of Abbey Research, and um, Aaron joins me in the work of empathy education. So I'm obsessed with penguins. And oh, love it, <laughs> Marvel. And if I didn't travel so much, we'd have a dog, probably um, a corgi or some sort of lab. So I, th- I think that kind of covers. I mean, and in terms of the stuff for this podcast, I was on a diet from nine to 29 when I said essentially, screw it, I'm going to figure out how to have at least a neutral relationship with this body instead of trying to be at war with it. Um, and that happened to be the same year I moved. Well, it was while I was in Northern Ireland, where they have a very different relationship with bodies than America does. And uh, I, not a very different, but enough that it was much freer to say those words out loud that I am fat and not, that's not a curse word. Um, And got really honest with some wonderful people about how it feels like when I say I'm fat and they go, no, you're beautiful. Um, And I finally kind of created space within myself to look back at them and go, you just told me that fat people are ugly. So do you want to try again? Um, and like, let's figure out how to talk about this together. But yeah, 9 to 29, I was on some fashion of a diet. Um, and uh, it's it's been, a, it'll be a journey, I think, until I breathe my last.
0: I think a lot of us have that battle. And it, it's a war. It is a war within ourselves. Now, I'm going to comment on a couple things. First off, corgi butts, adorable.
1: Just the cutest Love things. little corgi
0: Bets. There seems to be a common thread between my guests because your husband's name is John. Mm-hmm. One of my guests last week, her, hus- her husband-to-be named John.
1: My husband named John.
0: There is a common thread.
1: My, my husband's name is, um, mm-hmm. is John and not Jonathan. And he is very, very careful about that. So his birth name is John. Yeah. Same,
0: same. That My husband is the exact same. So, yeah, com- commonality. Love Fun, it. Yeah. <laughs> I love your obsession with penguins. Thank you. I'm, a, I'm sloths.
1: We all have our things. Yep.
0: Yeah, I have a slight obsession with sloths. And my husband is rolling his eyes. <laughs> but let's get into this. Now, first off, you commented on Ireland. Mm-hmm and how they view things very differently as far as you know food etc can you elaborate on that because i've never been there
1: sure so it's not super different but it's different enough so one of the reasons um let me back up i spent five years of my life in northern ireland very specifically my husband is from northern ireland i met him when i was over there Uh, my phd is from a northern irish university um and one of the things I lived over there between 2005 and 2006 for the first time that I came back to America and then I went back to Belfast. And one of the things I noticed and anyone who watches British TV will know this, British television has real people on it. <laughs> it has people with bad teeth and different body sizes and it's all very kind of lived in. Um, and while certainly some of the advertising campaigns are much more heightened the way that the US is, I find that like, I never get hit on in America. I got hit on every time I went into a bar in Northern Ireland. Um, And I mean, that came with like the requisite sexual harassment, which is always just so much fun, but it didn't ever happen for me. Like if I got catcalled from a car in the US, it was to make fun of my weight. And if I got cat called from a car in the UK, it was a comment usually like a much more positive comment. Now I'm aware that I am on the, I still have a ton of thin privilege within the plus size community. Um, and so at my, at my particular largest, I was, I was a tw- a size 24. I'm now a size 1820. And that's kind of where I've been for a long time. And so um, I recognize that that's, that's a privilege I carry. So hear that, that I say that, but I was never made to feel ashamed of my body by the general culture in the UK, as much as I was here in the States. Um, there it's still this, the struggle to find plus size closing is still real over there. Although straight size goes all the way up to a US 20. Oh, wow. So, like that was a little bit different. Like I, you know, it's kind of this acceptance that like, Hey, since most people are this size, like, let's just go ahead and stretch the sizes. Um, and so there was that, there was, you know, we always, when I first moved over there, Azos, which is like a really popular kind of quad uh-huh. light designer, British brand, they were the first ones to have a, a plus size line that was just as fashion trend as, you know, everything else. So it's not as much like that. It's radically different. I mean, they still have diet programs over there. Weight Watchers is still there. You still get like all of the diet culture garbage, but I think in a very real way, it's different because the because what they see on TV is a much more wide variety of human than we get here in the US. And that subconsciously trains you to understand that there is a wider variety of human Full stop. I have a friend that always says, the Brits let fat ladies do porn Um, (laughs) and Americans would never let them do that. I can't attest to that um, personally, but that's one of the ways that she explains it. and uh, she happens to be she happens to be a sex worker with experience on both sides of the pond, so I take her word for it.
0: Now you brought up a term that I want to discuss. Okay, because it is becoming a lot more widespread, mm-hmm. but there's a I think there's a lot of confusion behind it. Okay, thin privilege. Okay, so I want you to f- to define
1: what that is. So the way that the general culture is set up is for is for a human body that fits in an airplane seat. Like that is the width, the absolute maximum width of a human that the general society allows people to be. It is the anything that is privileged. So let me unpack the word privilege first really briefly. Mm-hmm. Privilege is any part of your life in which your life lines up with the system that is in power. Any single one. So it doesn't... You know, I have I also have white privilege. I have middle class privilege. I have a lot of other privileges, but one of them is within. I am a fat lady for sure. I, I can still fit in an airplane seat. while it's tight and not comfy. And when I, there are lots of restaurants I go into where my husband and I have to do the math of like, okay, well, I'd be comfortable sitting on that seat. Um, what will it look like? My and my best friend Erin is very good about that. She now just like looks at chairs and she goes, "Oh fuck this!" Um, you know how what they expect everybody to be the the kind of general culture. And I'll say this everywhere I've been in the world, this is the case. I've been in, I think I'm on to my like 39th country or something. They all expect you to be able to fit within an American airplane seat. That's the size that they assume humans are. So any if you fit within that, you have a privilege. The degree to which you know, it, it changes. So I am, I don't find myself oppressed in terms of my size because I can still fit in most of the world, but I am definitely othered. I definitely have that like little bit of like, mm, you don't belong here. Like I've walked in, I walked into an Abercrombie when I was growing up and had somebody tell me we don't serve clothes for your size here. We don't have people, we don't have things for your people here. Oh kind of my attitude. god! And like, i have I've experienced that and I've gone through life where I've had to ask for a, a seat extender. But on a day-to-day life, like I fit comfortably in cars. I can fit comfortably, I, I can find clothes at the mall even without Elaine Bryant there. Um, And when Old Navy says they're size inclusive, they're not, they're up to a size 30, God love them. But I'm included in that and that's a privilege. So that's kind of what I mean. It's any way in which something about your life lines up with the power with the way that the culture you live in, says that you have power. And so within plus size and within women's bodies, I tend to believe, and this is a social scientist thing, that anybody kind of a size 20 and under has some level of thin privilege, probably even a 22 and thin privilege of some level. Now. You'll have a lot of people who are like a size two saying I'm still really oppressed. I don't think you are. I think you're othered. You're mocked and that's terrible. You are othered. You are not oppressed and there's a difference there. You can still function in the world without having to ask for extra accommodations um, and kind of what, what that looks like. So um, the world is terrible with bodies, especially women's full stop. We can have a whole conversation about how we police women's bodies, but that's kind of what I mean by thin privilege is can you function in society without accommodations that lead to innate shaming?
0: Thank you so much for elaborating on that because there are a lot of people and i've I've you know seen the term thin privilege so much more prevalently, especially on Instagram.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Um, you know, and there's the fight for inclusivity and all of that on Instagram, which I fully support. But there are a lot of people who don't understand what the terminology means. So I appreciate you elaborating on that my for part. anybody who is watching or listening so that they can really kind of grasp what that means. Um, and I, I am full on on the end spectrum. And I hate it. Oh, my God, I hate it. I cannot walk into a mall and buy whatever I want. If there's a Torrid, I might be able to find a few things. Lane Bryant, I might be able to find a few things. Walmart, if it's a stretchy Forex, I might be able to do it. But it's got to be stretchy. And guarantee it is not going to last. Yeah. You know, you talked about the whole car thing. I literally realized yesterday, I have a pair of pants that the steering wheel rubs on my stomach. And these pants are now starting to get wear there. Have to buy a new pair of pants. Because it's not designed for a woman with my body size. I, My husband and I love going to Texas Roadhouse. Love it. Those I'm boots are rough, man. Oh, my. I can barely breathe sometimes. Yeah. Like, heaven forbid, I eat prime rib. By the end of that meal, I'm like, okay, let's go. I, I gotta breathe, I need to step outside, I need I need air. Oh, and we have somebody joining us. Hi, Feef. <laughs> my cat loves to get on the back of my chair. Um, but it, it's a very real struggle and I don't think people really grasp the full scope of it. So I love that you elaborated on it so eloquently. Oh, thanks. Like there was no shame in it. It was just, this is what it is. <laughs> And so tell me about how calling yourself fat on a TEDx stage happened.
1: Oh, well, very simply, I decided to do it and I did it. But um, my, te- my first TEDx talk, I had the privilege of giving in uh, South Lake Tahoe, California in May of 2021. I'm about to give my second one in Chicago in the middle of October. Um, but my first one was all about my big idea worth sharing. So very briefly, if anyone doesn't know what a TED talk is, TED is a national brand that is built, an international brand that is built on the idea that there are ideas worth spreading. A TEDx event is an independently organized local event licensed under that brand. So that's why you have so many people will say, I spoke at a TED. They usually mean a TEDx. Usually. Sometimes people mean a TED, but um, it's usually they're, they're used interchangeably, even though they're not. So I gave a TEDx. Um, and it was the idea was that instead of tolerating each other, we have to start welcoming each other. And that idea of welcome is based on intersectionality and understanding that we are all many things at once. Some of them are centered and privileged in the culture that we're in. Some of them are othered and oppressed in the culture that we're in. Sometimes they move culture to culture. Like I use the example that when I'm in the UK, my ability to throw down about the Liverpool football club <laughs> matters a lot more than it does in Philly. And like in the UK, Then it, it, no one cares that I can quote Philadelphia Phillies baseball history at length. You know, so there's, there's spaces now being a lady sports fan throws people off anywhere I am in the world. Like, at, they, but that, that is the kind of moves. But one of the things I brought up is that I am fat and that is depending on where I am. It's never a privilege. It's never something that um, sets me apart positively, but depending on where I am in the world, the degree to which it sets me apart negatively is different. So I'm in India and my body size means something very different to people than my body size means in Kenya when I'm there, than it means in Colombia when I'm there, That it means in Tokyo when I'm there. And what that kind of all, I I never physically fit anywhere I am. I'm always taller or wider or louder or something than everywhere I am. And even my beloved Belfast, I say all the time, the tables are always too close together in cafes for me to be comfortable. The, The bus seats are, that's hilarious. No way. Like all of that kind of stuff, I don't really fit anywhere. And so in naming my intersections and the ways that I see the world, calling myself fat and calling it out. I said, I'm a white, educated, middle-class, married, heterosexual, cisgendered, fat woman. And all of those things matter. It matters that I don't have children and that I'm not going to have them. It matters that I have my whole life felt that my gender matches my body. It matters that like, I grew up in evangelical purity culture it matters that I have grown up in a body that has been being tried to be policed, beaten on, um, controlled since I was in elementary school. It shapes who I am. And so I had to say it as part of my intersections. And at the very, the, the first time I said it, my coach was like, mm, do we need that word? And I was like, yes, because you just made that face. Why need That word. Um, and she is wonderful and and amazing and this has never been part of her story. She doesn't get it. And so through a lot of conversation about why it's so important to me, um, I got to really open her mind, which was wonderful. Uh, but yeah, that moment where I just said like, and as a fat woman and I let it hang for a second and I heard a couple intakes of breath and you know, that kind of thing. It's not released on YouTube as you and I talk, it's coming out in the next couple weeks. And so it'll be interesting to see, um usually when I say it in a video form, the comments I get are, oh my gosh, if you want to change that, please let me know. I have a wonderful fitness program. Oh you my know. God. Oh, I, think I hate I, that. I had somebody slide into my DMs on LinkedIn about the week before my TED Talk and was like, hey, do you feel fully prepared for your TED Talk? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. I'm in a really good position. And she was like, okay, I just want to make sure you can fit, like fit into your dress and that you look good on stage. And I was like, who the hell are you? Of course I fit into my dress. <laughs> like, this isn't a wedding. <laughs> It's, oh no. my God. Um So it's a lot of just, but the thing is, I'll say for me, and this, this is maybe worth something to your listeners. I did a lot of inner work before I said any of this out loud to anybody, but my best friend, like I did a lot. So by the time I stand up in front of people and say, I am fat, it is not painful for me to say it is not a, it is not a, there is nothing Nothing that I share publicly and openly is a wound for me. It's all scar tissue. And so I did that work. I have friends who cannot share about that and that's fine. And that's one of the reasons I do it so loudly and proudly because I can, because I'm in a position of emotional privilege to be able to say like, hey, Mm -hmm. we got to talk about this and it can't just be the Aubrey Gordons and the Chrissy Metz's of the world. It's gotta be the rest of us too. And so let's have this conversation Um, and let's, and let's go for it, especially because, and like I said, I feel a real responsibility because I hover on that size, that size precipice where I can shop straight size. And there are other times I have to shop plus size. And so I feel a real responsibility to say like, no, I am like, you look at me and you don't see this, but it doesn't matter if somebody else does. And so like, let's talk about it. Um, and so, but I've done, I've done therapy for years. I've done lots of my own meditation, my own prayer life, my own research. Um, I am I am always armed by knowledge. That's why I have two masters and a PhD. Like I am armed by knowledge. So I read a lot of theories and a lot of the history of the BMI and a lot of that stuff to be able to stand up and go, no, this is bullshit. All I actually of the you made me feel is bullshit. Oh so, my god.
0: So I have an episode of one of my other podcasts. Where I had a female chiropractor. Come on. The episode is literally entitled BMI is bullshit.
1: Completely. It's racist, it's a racist control mechanism. Oh my God. But yeah, I love kind of what you were saying
0: about you know, you feel that sense of responsibility because I'm in the same position as you know, technically my body is considered infinifat.
1: Wow. That's a, funny, my... that's a fun phrase. Okay. Right. Super but fun.
0: You, yeah, and it took Honestly, this is probably one of the first times I've actually said that term out loud Mm. and not cringed because it did take years for me to come to a point of loving myself in the body that I am in. And I've gotten to the point where if somebody doesn't like my body, fuck them. It is my body's not here for them. The only people that need to love my body are myself and my husband. And I'm pointing this direction because he's sitting literally right over there. <laughs> but if, if anybody else doesn't like it, turn away. Yeah. Turn away. And that is part of what actually spurred me um, to do a photo shoot in a bikini. Nice. It took me so much to do that, though. Okay. I'm not going lie. I'm not
1: there yet. So that's amazing to me.
0: I was invited to do this body positivity photo shoot. Friend of mine is the photographer. I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm all in. Let's do this. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing a bikini. And obviously can't go into Walmart and just buy a bikini in my size. So I'm searching Amazon And I'm knowing I don't want to, you know, do like Catherine's or something like that where I'm going to spend $100 on it. You know, it's swimsuit. I'm not spending $100 on a swimsuit of any, you know, form. And so I'm I'm just searching and searching. And then I found myself starting to nitpick different parts of everyone. Oh, well, this isn't going to look right. I was like, okay, you know what? I could do this as a two-piece swimsuit. You know, a tankini type thing. As long as it doesn't have a skirt. Because all my life, I've worn the swimsuit with the skirt to hide everything. Because that's what we're supposed to do as fat people. Is hide our bodies. And so I'm looking through the tankinis. And then I'm looking through the one pieces. And on day three, I looked at one with a skirt.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And like this voice in my head was like, Kim, what the hell are you doing? This is supposed to be a positivity thing. This is showing that you love your body. And then lo and behold, a bikini came across my feed. That was my size perfectly. Amazing. And I hit that buy button before I could talk myself out of it. I hit the buy button and I called my husband. I was like, okay, honey, I did it. It'll be here to you know on this day. He's like, okay, well, I can't wait to see it. And the minute it arrived, I put it on. I made a TikTok of it and threw it on TikTok before I could change my mind. Shared that TikTok over to you know Instagram, Facebook. I, I put it out there, and then I met my husband on our driveway. While it was raining. Actually, I was inside the garage, but it was at the driveway. It was raining. And when he pulled up from work, I was standing there in a bikini. And then I went and did the photo shoot three days later. Amazing. And it was the most liberating experience. I I would do it again in a heartbeat.
1: Amazing. And now
0: we're talking about going out to, you know, going to Vegas in October. I was like, I want a place with a pool. I've got a bikini. We're we're going swimming. I want a hot tub, you know, and I'm I'm finally there. But I I think it was that photo shoot that was that changing moment for me. Because we all have that moment where something clicks. You know, we do the work, we we get ourselves comfortably internally, but then something happens that is that shift, and it's I call it the fuck you moment. Of you're like I'm done. I'm I'm done hiding this. I'm done conforming. I'm done being ashamed. This is what I am. And that that was that moment for me. And now I have no problem saying I'm in a fit of fat. It is what it is.
1: Yeah, I think so much of it is to make the decision that while the word has power, it has a different power than you've been told. And you get to decide what power it has and in what direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of us, I think, like I've arrived and then I, you know, I'll, I I stood on that stage feeling incredible, absolutely, utterly amazing. Um, I delivered at the time, the best performance of my life. Um, I will up it in, in October. I will do even better. Um, and I walked off on cloud nine, checked my phone, had like a million, um, a million messages from my coach who was able to watch a live stream. I was, you know, I knew it's what I want to do for the rest of my life. All of those kind of things, like the power, like I knew it was me. And then my husband sent me a screenshot of me on camera. And my first thought was, oh Jesus, that's a lot of chins. It wasn't, oh my God, like, look at my power. It was, oh, you can see my stomach or, oh, I don't like my hair that much. Or oh, it was immediately physically nitpicking, immediately. And so I, you know, kind of checked that. I went, no, that's not what that, but no one else sees that. That is just you. That is your brain. That is like all this kind of other stuff. And the people that see that are the ones that aren't listening to the message anyway. You can't be everything for all people. Not everyone's going to love you. You are not tacos. Like all the other things that all the other mantras I do in my head. Um, But I knew how much more work I had to do when the first thought wasn't, man, I look powerful. It was, man, I look terrible. And so for anyone who is listening, who has arrived and then they find themselves not arrived again, I think that's really normal. And I think we can all constantly cycle. I I actually quite, I have a swim dress that I love. I still wear the skirt. That works for me, mostly because I hate shaving. (laughs) And so that works for me, but, um, it, it is, it's what just remember, because I think it's very easy because we're, we're so used to in plus size circles, being told how to live by other people that when we hear stories of victory from other folks, it's like, oh, now I have to do that. So let me let my voice. And I know that you don't believe that Kim. So let yeah. me tell everybody else. No one is a, around to tell you how to live anymore. That's part of this. So if you love the bikini, rock it. It's never going to be for me. I've got some scars and shit. Like, I'm not interested in that. But I've got, like, really cute suits that I love from Land's End that I that I love. It's amazing. So this is what is your power and your story. You No one else gets to tell you how you control your body anymore. And I think that's the most impossible thing. For people who have been labeled plus size, obese, who have been judged by their BMI, all of those kind of things, the hardest thing for us to imagine is that no one else is regulating us anymore. Because that doesn't compute. We've been being regulated since we could breathe. And it's it's a freedom that feels terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just it it's a freedom that feels terrifying and is a constant new freedom that you experience in different circumstances. I'll feel different in the Chicago talk. I will 100%. Not only do I have a different dress, but like I've got, I knew I have this experience. So I know some other different things around me and kind of what that feels like and what that looks like. But one of the decisions I made was to not untag myself from any photos on Facebook anymore, unless they're actually inappropriate. Like if, you know, they couldn't, I don't have a bad side. That is still me. That is my humanity. That is my body. That is who I am. And that's a discipline for me that makes sense for how I have to. Go. I want to grow, and I want to embrace that freedom.
0: And I, I, again, I I think that looks very different for each of us, like you said. And I I do want to specify the the comment about the skirt for me. The skirt was the one thing that was holding me back and we all have that one have the things yep. area yep i i do still have swimsuits in my bedroom that have the skirt and i will gladly wear them i needed that that was that empowering moment for me though and yep. we all have that moment and you may not realize what that moment is for you yet
1: and that's fine We're, you're and, gonna have several too
0: exactly but no. when they approach you'll know
1: you'll know Yeah, one of mine was to decide to, when I got married, to do a corset back dress because I was writing a PhD across an ocean from where I was getting married and I already wasn't going to be doing a diet or anything else. But the idea of like having to maintain anything was nauseating. So I was like, screw it, we're doing a corset dress. And that was one of the like, all my life I had been taught that I was gonna have to diet for the wedding. I was gonna go to a boot camp, I was gonna do all this other bullshit. And when I got, when we were planning my wedding and I found the dress I loved, I was like, no, I'm gonna be whatever size I am the day I show up. And at the end of the aisle is gonna be the man who wants to marry me. And I'm gonna feel beautiful and wonderful because the most important thing was that I looked like a princess and everybody else made sure I did. And princesses come in all sizes, not just Disney variety. And so, it like that was a big moment for me when we we got we had our public ceremony in 2014, and so the pro- that process was really important to me. Um, and the three, the two, my two best friends um, that were there that put me into my dress um, were so aware of how emotional that was for me that they just made it so normal and holy at the same time. I love that. That it was just like, okay, well here, this is both a momentous occasion and not a big deal at all. You're just putting on a frock and walking down, walking down a street. That's it. Like let's, and then your photographs are going to look great and kind of all that other stuff. Um, But that's, so that's one moment we've all had, we've all had moments. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's, it's been, it'll be a journey, like I said, until I take my last breath.
0: I think it's that way for all of us. Mm-hmm. I For every fat woman, every fat man. Yeah. it It is a journey. It is a growing process.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's hard. And just like any journey, mm-hmm. it will never be 100% easy. You are going to have hills and you are going to have valleys.
1: When, yep, absolutely.
0: And the best advice that I can give and I'm, I'm not a therapist. Disclaimer right there. I am not a licensed therapist. The best advice I can give, though, is when you're hitting those valleys, have somebody there to hold your hand. Yeah. It could be your spouse. It could be your best friend. Mm-hmm. It, it usually- could be a random stranger, honestly. But hold someone's hand through that valley. Because it's possible to do it alone it is 100% possible but it is a hell of a lot harder
1: and it's not necessary i think either like no that's the i outsource my mental health to other people all the time because i can't be left to my own devices most of the time and the the idea that it's more it's a more worthwhile struggle if you do it alone is a very specific american okay. lie that we don't need to live under Asking for help isn't a weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. And so how, so like when I'm at my worst and feeling really, I'm having a bad body day, there are things that I do to make sure that I don't do something for me that would be dumb, like sign up for Noom, like, because it's not like, it's going to end up being worse in the long run kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having those safeguards in place, the kind of like making a plan Making a plan is always a good idea. 100% agree.
0: Dr. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on my show, for dealing with the technical difficulties that we had.
1: Not a problem. I
0: I have loved having you on the show. And please send me the link to the YouTube video when your TED Talk goes on.
1: I absolutely will.
0: I would love to put it on the Facebook page for this broadcast so that we can share it and get that message out because i think people need to hear it people need to hear it and i will share it with the world with you
1: oh thank you so much
0: you guys thank you for being with us now i'm gonna ask you one more question okay real quick and i ask this of all my guests okay we yeah, you know, we've said we were not always as confident as you and i are right now. so if you could go back to the little girl who went on her first diet, what would you say to her?
1: So many things. The first one would be that you're not fat. Because I wasn't at the time at all. I just thought I was. And I, like, I, it, again, it's not a bad word, but I created a whole sense of dysmorphia within me of what I was, I was perfectly proportionate for my bone structure at the time and it was fine. And if I had, if I had my reaction to then being put on diets by my parents was to like hoard candy and and binge it at night. Um, And if I I could go back to like eight year old Kristen and just teach her to have a relationship with her body and a relationship with food in a way that it wasn't 100% about punishment that's, a, that for me, when I say I would tell her she's not fat, that's what it means, is that you don't need to do the next 20 years of having a really dysfunctional relationship with both your body and with food. And I, you know, it's entirely possible that I would have ended up the size that I ended up anyway. But I know in my personal timeline, I ended up there because I hated myself so much that I, I kept eating things I knew were bad for me. And it just, and then being ashamed that I looked the way I looked and I kept eating things out of the shame. And it was this unbreakable cycle for years where if I could have had a body, if I could have paid attention to my body, I would have felt stronger. I was an athlete for crying out loud. Like, and when I didn't win a race, people in my life would blame it on my weight. I was a swimmer. And so that would make me eat more. Um, where if somebody had framed it and been like, okay, so that wasn't great. Maybe we need to work on your lung capacity. Okay, what does that mean this week? Instead of, well, I'm sure it's cause you're so heavy. There's a very, we just said the same thing in terms of how we would solve the problem. Mm-hmm. The phrasing is so, so different. And if 11 year old Kristen had heard that we're just gonna work on your lung capacity. I think that would have been, that would have been, that would have saved me hundreds of thousands of dollars on Jenny Craig and therapy. And I would have never done the cottage cheese diet, which is still the most abusive one I've ever done. <laughs> so yeah.
0: Rice and water.
1: Mm. Yeah, Rice and water. That's not great. The, there was the melon diet for a little while too. That was pretty terrible. Um, they're all, they're, do you listen yeah. to the Maintenance Phase podcast? Have you heard of that? No,
0: I haven't. Oh my
1: God, it's amazing. So it's the like history of various diet culture things. Oh my so, God. Yeah, my favorite one that I listened to recently was The History of Snackwells Cookies. And I was like, "Oh my god, that brought me back."
0: <laughs> yeah. I I remember Snackwells.
1: We all remember Snackwells. So it's and it's done by Aubrey Gordon who wrote the book What We What We Don't Say When We Talk About Fat. Um and I am going are.
0: to look that up. It's a great podcast. I'm I'm writing it down right now. <laughs>
1: yep. Yeah. It's told from a very like all fat all diet culture is bullshit perspective. So
0: Love that. Mm -hmm. Well, you guys, thank you so much for being here with us today. Again, if you have enjoyed this broadcast, if you are getting something out of this, if this is helping lift you up and empower you, and you want to help spread this message of celebrating your big, beautiful badassness, then please consider supporting the broadcast. Go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash this fat girl life. Thank you again for being here, Dr. Kristen. I've loved this and I can't wait to see your TEDx talk. Thank you so much. Bye.